Welcome to the Pursue Whole Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Maurer, and in this podcast, I share my insights as a leadership coach and former therapist. I sit down with some of the highest level leaders in business, entertainment, and human performance to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pursue Whole podcast. We are on our fourth episode of our four-part series on dysfunctional relationships, and we've reviewed three types before this episode. We looked at the stagnation, the void, and the pinch, which we condensed into 10 to 15-minute episodes to really give you a brief overview and a snapshot of what are the most common dysfunctions within relationships. But today, we are finishing out this series by talking about what we define as the whole relationship. So to finish out this episode today, I have invited back our leadership and relational coach, Kim. Kim, welcome. Always happy to be here. So as we jump in, Kim, let's talk about what do we mean when we say the whole relationship? When we talk about a whole relationship, we're talking about the foundation of having a secure attachment to the people in our life. So when we look at a young child and we're trying to identify what is their attachment style, there's a couple things that we end up looking for. And primarily is this idea of a child will go out and play, they'll explore, they'll leave their parents' side. Um, They're really adventurous and independent in a lot of ways. But then if they end up getting hurt or um, if they feel like they need comfort, something bad happened, they'll immediately go back to their primary caregiver seeking that reassurance. And that same thing ends up being true in our whole relationship is we have someone that we feel comfortable to go out and explore the world, but we always have a safe place to come back to. Yeah, this is that relational security that we've talked about a lot. And there's actually some research that um, flushes this out. There was a study that was done, which was looking at children's sense of safety and security around exploration. And they placed these children in this wide open field that there were no real boundaries to it. It was just a ginormous open field. And they observed these kids and they watched actually how far they ventured out into that field. Then they put the kids in a similar field, similar size field, but that field had walls and it had boundaries. It had a fence around it. And what they found was that children who had that fence in that field ventured all the way out to the fence and they'd stand on the fence and they'd go all the way to the the very ends of this field. But those kids who did not have that fence, they actually stayed in a more tight-knit kind of closer circle. They were scared to explore because they didn't have kind of those safe guardrails and those boundaries. So when we think about a sense of relational security, it is knowing that we have uh, some guardrails to come back to. We have some security to go out into the world, to explore, and then to come back to this kind of safe setting. Yeah, and what that ends up giving us really is this sense of self-confidence. Right, This ability to go out and explore, to climb the fence, it gives us belief of, oh, I can conquer anything and I'm going to push my limits. And so we see that a lot in a whole relationship is we have this confidence to share openly and not feel like we're going to disappoint someone. We don't feel like we're going to be belittled or demeaned in any way. We just feel a confidence of I am who I am and I get to share that and I know that there's safety and security in that process. And similar to that example that I gave on that research study, when we have the freedom to flex our muscles, to grow, to expand our horizons, like you're saying, that does give us a self a sense of self-confidence because we learn about ourselves and we get to discover ourselves in really that sense of security. And that does give us a little bit of a flexibility to change, correct? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just knowing that uh, things aren't permanent and that I can mess up, it gives us a really big sense of flexibility, right? I can go out, I might trip and fall, I can come back, and it's not going to define whether or not I'm accepted or whether or not I could achieve it next time. Mm. So within the whole relationship, as we review, there is relational security, there is a developed sense of self-confidence, and we do get the flexibility to foster change or growth in our life. Now, let's talk about how we actually pursue this. What do we need in order to have this type of relationship become a reality in our life? And I think the first thing that we have to do is to have a growth mindset. And what I mean by this, if you really think through who you want to be as a person, you can't expect and rely on your partner or a co-founder or a team member to do their job before you actually develop growth in your own life. So if you're going to pursue the whole relationship, you have to take initiative and you have to ask questions like, what do I want out of my life and who do I want to be? And how do I pursue that with a sense of grit and a sense of drive? Yeah. And to really go first, right? I'm not waiting for my partner to uh, come and fix all their mistakes, but I'm going to identify how can I be that person allows us to be curious, right? So I think of a very simple first step in pursuing a whole relationship is being intentional about getting to know our partner uh, in the same way that we would want a safe landing place that I can mess up um, and I know that I'll al always be accepted. We give that to our partner. So we ask them questions without the intent of fixing it, uh, but really with a desire to learn. And what you said there, ask questions with a desire to want to learn, that's very different than asking questions to try to uh, get an answer or try to position someone to go a certain direction. And we all know what it feels like to be in a relationship where someone is sitting across from us, they're digging or they're asking us questions, and we don't feel like this is for them to just get to know or be curious. They have kind of a pitch that they want to give us. They have something that they want to ultimately tell us. So this curiosity that you're describing we have to come to the relationship and have a genuine interest in actually being curious of what is inside of that person, what are they really trying to communicate, and, and really, who are they? I want to learn a little bit about who they are. To do this work, as we've talked about, is extremely difficult, and that's why I think in order to be successful here, you have to surround yourself with community. In order to be successful at the whole relationship, we have to surround ourselves with people and communities who are pursuing wholeness in their own life. Very rarely are we going to be able to succeed if we surround ourselves with people who are swimming in the opposite direction and who are actually living out some of those dysfunctional relationships that we talked about previously. If you go back to episode three of the Pursue Whole podcast, we talked about the importance of tribes. We talked about a very foundational research study that shows that in moments of stress, we always revert back to this term called homeostasis, which means I go back to what is comfortable, the path of least resistance, and I go back to what other people want me to be and how they want me to be. So in order to be successful in, in pursuing a different way to live in a relationship, really living a whole life, um, if we surround ourselves with people who have dysfunctional relationships, that's going to pull us back to that dysfunction. And we really have to surround ourselves with people who are of like mind who are swimming in the same direction and doing the hard thing on pursuing wholeness in their life and their relationships. 
And specifically, you're going to want to surround yourself with people who aren't judgmental, they aren't critical, they actually give people a benefit of the doubt, which really goes into our next point. Yeah, what what you're talking about here is the ability to assume the best in our partner and the people around us. So pretty early on in a relationship, it's normal to see the good parts that attract us to a person. Uh, But over time, we start to get this jaded edge to us after a couple mistakes were made. And we're just now assuming that our partner is out to get us on some level. So we talk about this um, again with relational psychology, this idea of negative sentiment override. It was coined by uh, the Gottmans, a husband and wife duo. And one of their main points is this idea of negative sentiment override. So this is the idea of I had plans for dinner at five o'clock. We had been talking about it all week. I'm really looking forward to it. 5.15, my partner isn't there. Do I immediately go to the thought of how dare them? They've let me down again. Uh, they didn't consider me first. I'm no longer a priority, right? And it goes immediately into that resentment that we feel and assuming that this was an intentional choice done to hurt me. That would be negative sentiment override compared to the thought of, gosh, they must have had a pretty hard day. I hope they didn't get stuck in traffic. Uh, they're probably really stressed right now that they're running late. And so that would go into, I'm assuming the best and a really positive intent from them that they weren't trying to hurt me. Life got busy and I'm going to be curious about what happened rather than going immediately into criticism. That's so hard to do for me and I think for a lot of leaders to assume the best, especially if we've had fractures in relationships over and over. But it is essential within a relationship to not store bitterness and anger like you're describing, to come with um, assuming the best rather than that negative sentiment override. And as we talk about how to pursue really this whole relationship, you need to know that if you're uncomfortable with pain, you're not going to make it, okay? And we see this in leaders across the board. We see this in, in the area of physical fitness. Listen, if you don't know how to push yourself to the point of pain, you're not going to experience growth. And that is something that a lot of leaders accept, the reality of business, But sometimes we forget about that in relationship. We think relationships should be easy, but it's not any different than exercise. You have to push yourself and get uncomfortable. And I think part of the problem is that in American society, when we feel emotional distress, we either numb it or we suppress it or we try to fix it right away. And if that's your tendency, you're not going to do well in this type of relationship. You're probably going to move more towards the stagnation or the void or the pinch, but you're not going to be able to have a whole relationship because let me tell you, you. If you want the good things in life, you have to embrace the bad things in life. That is the nature of vulnerability. So in order to pursue wholeness in your work and your relationships, you have to have four things. You got to have curiosity and growth, which we talked about. You have to surround yourself with community. You have to assume the best rather than what Kim described as negative sentiment override. And you have to be able to embrace pain as an opportunity for growth. Now, Those are all hard things, but there's a lot of benefits to this type of relationship. And we want to take a little bit of time to talk specifically about those. And Kim, you have an example of a client that you've seen and some of the benefits that they've experienced by pursuing this. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends, he was talking about the opportunity uh, that came up to him over the last 10 years to 
reconnect with creative passions in his mid-30s that he really had put on the wayside for a long time. He felt like he had to go in the direction that society was calling him and kind of set aside parts of himself that really were fundamental to who he was. But after being in a really happy marriage, he started feeling that adventurous boldness to go and climb that fence to push the boundaries. And he reconnected with these creative passions that then led to a very successful business opportunity doing what he loved. And when I was talking to him about it and asking what his key to success of what made him risk um, in such a vulnerable way, really, he, he told me that the most unexpected and his favorite part about marriage was knowing that he always had a safe home base. So he was telling me how he used to be so self-conscious about his work being on display and pretty sensitive to the judgment of others. But he was like, my wife is the coolest person and I know she likes my work. So even if nobody else does, I'm totally okay with putting it out there. And that is really the the summing up of what a whole relationship can give us is I get to pursue the things that I'm good at and passionate about. And I'm not really afraid of rejection anymore because I know I have that safe landing place. Mm. I even know for me, there are a lot of days I'm not my best with my clients. I make mistakes. You know, I don't feel confident on some days or I feel exhausted and tired and I, I lose that sense of clarity about where I'm supposed to go. And I give a talk and it goes flat and I'm like, was that even good? Am I even doing the right thing anymore? And just the reality of knowing I get to go home to my kids and my wife who's there to love me, accept me and cheer me on is a game changer. And I think for a lot of people, they don't have that. And partly they don't have that because they haven't cultivated that in their life. They haven't leaned into the pain and cultivated a whole relationship. So really what they do instead of leaning on their family or leaning on their spouse or leaning on their friends to be that safe place like you're describing, Kim, they lean into work more because that is their sense of safety, which is exactly what we talked about with the void, which is this detached attachment style, where instead of connecting to people, we connect to success as our form of identity. And once again, one of the benefits of the whole relationship is that sense of security in relationship, no matter how things shake out in business or in life or in other areas. I think another really big benefit to being in a whole relationship is when things are good at home, you have a lot more energy to tackle the difficult things in business. Just like when things are going well in business, when you have a handle on things, you coming home, you're not going to flip your lid on your kids. You're not going to yell at people. You're going to be able to hold your calm. So if you want to have emotional energy to do work well as a leader, you got to get your home life set. Because if that's in chaos, good luck trying to stay controlled and organized and productive at work. Those two bleed into each other all the time. And if you have a healthy relationship at home or with co-founders, guess what? You're going to show up better at work. You're going to be able to manage the stress of work. Yeah, that really goes to the idea of uh, being on a roller coaster in our relationships, right? A lot of us actually pretty early on kind of like the feeling of being on a roller coaster. It gives us these butterfly feelings and uh, you hear it all the time, right? Of like, oh yeah, it gave me these butterflies and so therefore I know that it was a good thing. But roller coasters are meant to be under a minute, right? They're not <laughs> supposed to be a long-term experience. And that is exactly what we're looking for in the whole relationship is a sense of groundedness, stability that does give us energy to tackle the things that work uh, because I'm not always on this up and down. Mm. 
you know, some of you are going to hear that out there and go, stability scares me. It sounds so boring. I like the chaos. Now, for those leaders out there who who don't like the word stability or they like the kind of ups and downs, um, talk to us a little bit about some of the the drawbacks to that type of lifestyle. Those butterflies, they really mimic the feeling of anxiety right? A lot of times those butterflies are actually telling us there's something about this that tells me I could fail. I could be rejected, right? I'm not feeling immediately accepted and just grounded in this place. It gives me this sense of excitement of I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, in the short term, that can be exciting. But over the long term, that isn't going to give us opportunity for positive stress and growth. It leads to what you've talked about is toxic stress, Mm -hmm. right? Of it just builds up on itself that we really don't have opportunity to uh, be a stable person in our business or in our relationships around us. Yeah. You need stability at least one location in your life as a leader. You're probably not going to get it through business. You're probably not going to get it through your employees. So you got to have it somewhere because you can't have roller coaster at work and roller coaster in every other aspect of your life and make it through. So the benefit of this type of relationship is that it provides a safe, secure, stable place to come back to that to then go out and really do the hard things in the world that you were built and meant to do. With all these benefits, we have to ask the question, why don't more people pursue this? Why don't more leaders pursue this? Why do they settle for stagnation or the void or the pinch? And I think part of it is that, like I described before, our society is pain avoidant. When we see pain or when we experience pain, it's like stepping into the cold water. You instantly, everything in your body tells you, get out, pull away, get back to where it's warm on the beach. But listen, If you want good relationships, if you want a whole life, you have to embrace the vulnerability of the bad and the good. That's what makes us human. And I think the reason, one of the large reasons people don't pursue this as leaders is um, we are so used to numbing that pain and avoiding that pain that we haven't learned to build what I call an emotional tolerance, our ability to tolerate that discomfort, which is actually going to help us break through into high levels of growth. The other thing that I realize happens for leaders is we just get used to experiencing life with very shallow attachments. We learned as kiddos that our parents didn't know who we were. They didn't, we didn't have deep friendships. So we just learned that, oh, friendship must mean or relationships must mean that we talk about really shallow things or really high level stuff, but we don't really address what's beneath that. Some of the fears, worries and dreams. And we get disillusioned by shallow attachments and then we have quick hookups or we have relationships that maybe last three months and then they get real intimate and then we get kind of scared and we pull away. We sabotage because we're scared that it's going to get too intense. And I think another reason why we don't pursue wholeness in relationships is because we're afraid of attachment. We're used to shallow attachments. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable thing, right, to put ourselves out there in a way that we have the potential for rejection, Right. And so we do often pursue that kind of low level um, relationship that there's not a ton of risk to it. Um, and that does end up being something that prevents us from really seeking change is we assume that this is just how it is and people can't change. I can't change. My partner can't change. Uh, we operate in the same patterns and have this very black and white thinking that 
it is all or nothing. And I don't see us suddenly becoming this romanticized vision of what a relationship is that I see in social media. Mm. I can't have that. My partner won't be that. So I won't pursue it. So once again, a couple of areas that keep us from pursuing this type of relationship is our tendency to avoid pain and not acknowledge that pain is the doorway to growth. The second one is that we have developed such shallow attachments that we don't really know what it means to connect to people at a deeper level and actually be known and know them at a deep level. And then the third, Kim, which you described, which is we go into black and white thinking and we think this either has to be the most romanticized, amazing relationship. And if it's not, then it's just, you know, tattered on the rocks and it's not worth fighting for. There's a large gradation within there that we need to come to terms with on it do, it's not all good or it's not all bad. There are good parts and there are also hard parts. So for someone who's looking to start this journey of wholeness and specifically wanting to pursue the whole relationship, where do we start? And I think the first place that we need to start is the courage to say that you need help and the grit, the growth mentality to never settle for good enough. This is your journey towards wholeness, and here at Pursue Whole, we believe that this is a journey. This is not a destination. That's why our business is called Pursue Whole. It's not called Arrive at Wholeness, and this is really that deep, deep desire to continue to push ourselves for more, more of what matters most in life, and we believe at Pursue Whole, that is relationships. If you look at anyone at the end of their life, relationships are what's going to be most important to them. So when we pursue wholeness, we are really pursuing the aspects of life that make us most human and the aspects of life that are most important, most impactful, and we believe that is relationships. Cliff Robinson, who is the chief people officer at Chick-fil-A, said, profits will pass, but relationships last. If you're listening to this, just know that your money you're developing, the business you're building, your success, your fame, the things you own are going to pass away and you will be left at the end of your life asking questions like, did I know people and did they know me? Your kids are going to be asking that question about you. Did I know my dad or my mom and did they know me? So for you to pursue this journey, you have to be courageous enough and gritty enough to never settle, but to say, I want more out of my life. And you have to cast a vision for what kind of relationship you need and to accomplish those goals to pursue what's most important. The way that we end up moving towards this constant pursuit of being better and moving towards wholeness in our life and relationships is being able to recognize what role do I play in this? right? We're creating this safety that I can make mistakes. And so I don't need to pretend that I have it all together and I'm the perfect partner. So we can't change what we don't know. So how do we begin to recognize what are my emotional blocks? What is my attachment style? How do I relate in my relationships? And how can I seek help to identify those things in myself? And oftentimes it's really difficult to do that on our own. We have coaches, we have therapists that we've worked with in, in our life. I know that I have. And this is the point in which maybe you need to reach out to a therapist or a coach to do some of this personal development work. And they should sit down with you and help you discover what are those emotional barriers and how to help you take those emotional barriers away so that you can really pursue the relationship that you were built to have, which is that whole relationship. 
Here at Pursue Whole, we have this unique position between executive coaching and therapy where we understand leaders and we also understand how to help them pursue what matters most without simply dropping them in the deep end that therapy often does. So if you're in that position where you feel like you want that awareness, you want that growth while at the same time continuing to develop as a leader, Pursue Whole might be a great option for you. Kim, you're our leadership and relationship coach. And for listeners, if you need support, you feel free to reach out to Kim. And if you want to go back and listen to those three dysfunctional types that we talked about to help you identify your biggest emotional barriers, jump over to our website at pursuewhole.com. Until next time, Kim, thank you for joining me. Always good to be here. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, links, and show notes, visit pursuewhole.com and click podcast. Before we go, it would be extremely helpful if you would please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast. This helps me understand my audience better and serve more leaders such as yourself. That's it for me this week. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pursue Whole podcast. Pursue Whole.